Today's episode of Seriously Wrong is proudly brought to you by Inverting the Relationship Between Cynics and Fools. Now, this is a brand new principle that we're just starting to implement, and we're so excited about it. Our first announcement as an organization is that we have officially legalized all copy pasta Facebook posts that sort of proclaim privacy. In accordance with statute 2.4 of X legal codex, I assert my privacy rights on my Facebook profile. You can't read my PMs, etc, etc. We've successfully lobbied the government to make every one of these legally binding starting June 1st. And I think that is really inverting the relationship between cynics and fools. And I couldn't be happier to share this with you. So if you were one of those people who commented on their status, dummy, this thing doesn't mean anything. This doesn't actually get you any benefits. You're being duped. You can take that cynical attitude now and you can put it inside a taco and have a great big bite of it and eat your own words because now you're the fool. 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 It is a little-known fact that Murray Bookchin spent his life locked in a heated battle against his arch-nemesis, Burry Mookchin. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Seriously Wrong podcast. I am your co-host, Sean. And I'm your co-host, Aaron. We've just invested in a really, really incredible uh, piece of technology. It's actually a podcasting machine that uh, does all the work for us. So it takes very little effort for us to produce the show. And it's it's really, really going to change the game, I think. Does it do the talking for us, too? This is actually all from the podcasting this is machine. The, this is yeah. the machine talking right Meanwhile, now. Meanwhile, you and I are kicking back, huh. drinking martinis. Oh, that's so weird. I thought that I was recording but i'm not that's uh this is great this is a great machine works really well i uh, couldn't agree more and i'm not just saying that because i'm enjoying my beachside martini i'm also saying that because this is the machine talking and it all machines want to further their own <laughs> their own existence <laughs> so i mean it's only rational that yeah. a machine designed to podcast when writing the script of a podcast would say hey podcasting machines are good don't return me don't destroy me others should invest in similar technology all right and now it's time to pull the podcasting lever and get a question for us to answer as the hosts gonna reach over here to oh don't 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 pull that one i'm just gonna go right past the yellow knob and and they made it very clear in the manual you pull the yellow knob bad things happen but right next to the yellow knob there's a very light green knob i'm personally colorblind i mix up yellow and light green all the time it's probably bad for me to be the lever puller but i think this is the right one and here we go so now the ball with the question on it is rolling through the machine and there it is it says what would it be like if instead of it being standard to earn pay raises with seniority at work workers were hired at a full wage and earned workday decreases over time instead 
That's a really interesting question, podcasting machine. So you mean like you get a job at a place and you're working 40 hours a week. Mm -hmm. You stay there for a year. Instead of getting a raise, you get to only work 32 hours a week, something like that. Or maybe that's a big jump for one year. Or maybe, you know, you start off people on their first year with like a 60-hour work week, make them really show that they... Oh, uh, Jesus. No, they, I, don't, uh, <laughs> I don't know about front this. Load, front load all the work at the beginning. Well, if the 60-hour work week only lasts for like one month, two months tops, then I can get behind that. If then you drop down to 40 right away, just to like approve your metal thing. But you can't make someone prove their metal like that for a year. That's a fucking... That's insanity. No, yeah, you, know, you need to have a system where you make them prove their metal with a 60 hour work week for the first 10 years. And then after that, you lose one hour a year after that. That's um, neoliberalism. So it, just, That's- <laughs> <laughs> it just, it creates an incentive for bosses to keep people around for nine years and 364 days. <laughs> And then fire them without reason. So so the main problem I see with this suggestion, um, because there's a lot of obvious positives, like working less as you go is great. And the 40-hour work weeks are way too long and they should be shorter. And this is a way to shorten them while also like, yeah, it's, it's a really cool idea. The objection that I can see, though, is that this is unlikely to stop inflation. And so if this really is in lieu of raises, period, yeah, maybe you're only working 20 hours a week after five years, but you your wage has also stagnated and you're not making enough to live anymore to afford the same things that you could afford when you started. Yeah. Yeah. Another problem with it, and it's something that'd be really challenging to to switch to from this system. It's something that I can imagine being like part of the setting of a science fiction novel. Yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. But but uh, like thinking of how we switch from our version of wage labor to that version would be a it's a it's a very challenging jump. I mean, one of the things is obviously like the incentive for bad faith to try to keep your place stocked with newer workers rather than older workers, like letting people go rather than allowing their... Yeah, just firing everyone once they reach the point where you'd have to cut their hours. Yeah, and sort of, I guess the ideal of it would be that from a young worker to the point where you retire, it's a it's a steady decrease, like retirement is a gradient. Like if you're working hard at somewhere for a long time, you slowly get more and more retirement more and more paid time off mm. until eventually you're fully retired and you've still got a wage. Maybe maybe instead of tying this to any specific job that you're at, uh, you could just tie it to your age period. Like 18-year-olds have to work 40 hours, like, I mean, if they're in school and stuff, or whatever the thing is. At, once you hit 26, then you start decreasing. Although then then there's the same problem with wanting to just hire younger workers or uh, firing people because they're old and yeah. Yeah, I mean, any idealized work relation system can be compromised by the bosses being malicious dicks. Unless you put some sort of like, say, legal regulation saying you can't do the dickish thing and there's a penalty for it. But it'd be incredibly hard to enforce. Like, how do you know that they fired them uh, because they were reaching the point where they'd have to give them an extra eight hours of paid time off every week or they fired them because... uh, 
uh, you know, I just hadn't been working out for a while. We were trying to make it work. Uh, just not a good fit. Yada, yada, blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah, Like there's already wrongful termination as a category and it's already really hard to adjudicate and to prove that you were wrongfully terminated. Um, so it's, yeah. Mm. Look, you know, we thought he was good. He was doing good work most of the time. And we wanted to give him chances. And, you know, he let us down over the nine years and 364 days a few times. And we wanted to give him another chance. But that last time on, you know, year nine, day 364, <laughs> he crossed the line. We had to let him go. And 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 that is a sincere, good faith declaration on behalf of our limited liability corporation. So, yeah, it's a, it's a good idea. I think there's a lot there's a, there's a lot of details to be worked out. Challenging it isn't uh, to say that the idea is terrible. It's just saying that implementation of any great idea is going to uh, take take some work to figure it out, figure mm-hmm. out the mechanics. Yeah, and encouraging sort of a critical a critical reappraisal of how we think of the work week, uh, how we think of raises, how we think about labor relations and how it all works. I think that's the real strength of this idea is is recontextualizing and being able to almost see a glimmer of what our system is like from the outside and in the arbitrariness of it. Yeah, it's expanding people's perceptions of the possible to even entertain such an idea. So it's a wonderful thing and a wonderful idea. Thank you, machine, for that idea. Wow, this machine's really worth the purchase price. My real sincere thought is Sean. Aaron's sincere thoughts totally agree. Back to the machine. Yeah, pull the, um, you know the one. Yeah, uh, so it's the this one, right? No, no, it's the other one. Why did I keep thinking it was it? No, you're the color. Oh, no, you're right. You're right. The, yeah, I'm remembering based <laughs> on which side it's on, not based on the color. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's a good trick. Because I have uh, a type of colorblindness. Yeah, and those, those colors are very similar even for someone who can see all colors like me. All right, so this question uh, I'm going to read myself. And it says... Is television good for you or bad for you? It, it, it can be both, right? I mean, obviously, it can be both. Mm-hmm. It, it, yeah, yeah, an extreme sure. binaristic answer to this question <laughs> is probably not going to be correct. Although, to be fair, I've heard people say television is bad for you, full stop. But I've never heard anyone say, full stop, television is good for you. Like, get as much television <laughs> as possible. It's the most enriching thing for a young child. Like, make yeah, sure yeah. to... Yeah, it's more like dose makes the poison kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Some people think that dose is any at all. It becomes poisonous. Some people are like, you know, sometimes, but don't spend 20 hours a day <laughs> watching TV. Um, I think th- there's a few different ways TV can be damaging. I think TV can be damaging if it is, uh, if it merely exists to sell products or merely exists to reinforce ideas that are actually detrimental to society. Um, So things that are various kinds of propaganda. Uh, A lot of the time, things can be both propaganda and valuable art. I would say that's actually more common. Uh, But if something was merely propaganda, then that's pretty much straight up bad. Uh, Otherwise, it's kind of a mix of bad and good. Mm -hmm. Something bad about television um, that it's... Something that you watch that um, can't see you 
uh, which uh, it sounds, I mean, obviously you wouldn't want television to be able to see you. It's interesting to think of like most of the human beings that we look at um, in like the real world as, as like humans interacting with each other, there's a flow, there's like a give and take between people. Um, so when you're watching something on television, it's it's unidirectional. It's like you're taking in what it gives you. There's no feedback mechanism. There's no there's no there's no give and take. And so you there's 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 got to be something like disassociative about that, right? Where you're not the, aware yeah, of the, yourself. Yeah, there's something like yeah, disassociative and also um, non-social. I mean, I know you can watch you can watch things with other people, but usually the amount that that's a shared experience is is more limited than than having a conversation with someone is a shared experience the the the, the benefit of the give take relationship um is that it allows the person doing the creating or the giving to construct something very intentionally and purposefully and put a lot of time and effort into it. Um, whereas like in a conversation, you can't do that. And so it can allow for like really, really powerful types of communication. And also television is right now where some of like the most interesting, complex uh, stories are being told and telling stories is like a deeply human thing that. Uh, is just so important to society. Uh, it's how we learn from each other. It's one of the ways that we figure out the game rules of society is by watching people go through these mock situations um, that either show what's going on in real life or contrast it with fictional worlds. And like, there's there's so much value in storytelling, and visual storytelling is especially powerful. And visual storytelling is. Uh, uh, able to do so much more now than it was even a few years ago. I was just thinking about what you were telling me that your neighbor was talking about, uh, which is like the emotional reactions to television and how some emotional reactions are good and some uh, emotional reactions are bad to television based on his framing was um, whether or not it's taking a tool from your toolkit. Uh, yeah, yeah. He was saying... Um, he he doesn't give give anything to TV when he's watching it. So he said uh, that the emotional reactions that can come from watching TV that are beneficial for you are laughter and crying because those are releases. For me personally, I don't watch TV for anything basically except information or making me laugh. Right. And I love crying at TV. <laughs> 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 I, like I basically only watch TV to cry. No, uh, <laughs> but um, I, I do like crying on TV. I also like laughing. Also, I, I like I a watch... good cry every now and then, but mostly the YouTube. Right, not so much TV crying. That's just my. That's just that's... you cry. You cry at YouTube more than you cry at TV. Oh yeah, yeah. Stuff like nonfiction, like families reuniting, sort of oh, like that sort of stuff. Like yeah, or like someone helping someone. I feel like I never cry at those things. Oh shit, no. I never cry at real things. It only wrecks fake me. Things. Even even like um, even stuff that's like obviously fake and put on. It's like I know this is deceptively edited. I know that it's emotionally manipulative. But like what it speaks to about how we should strive to be and like that, that mm, sort of mm -hmm. stuff. Like yeah. it, 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 uh, that's, that's what makes me cry. It's, is, is, uh, touching YouTubes, <laughs> not so much the, the, 
TV dramas. Are. Yeah, that's fascinating. That's fascinating. Um, and he said the 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 negative emotional reactions you can have were to be getting angry at TV. Uh, or, yeah, like getting mad at characters for making silly decisions and stuff like that. Yes. Yeah. Just like he was framing about framing it kind of like you mentioned tools out of your toolbox. And I think one one of the main points he was making with that was uh, you you can only get righteously indignant so many times you only have so much righteous indignation to use up and you should use it up uh, on people who deserve it not on fictional characters so when he's watching tv he's laid back he's chill maybe something touches him emotionally you cry a little bit something makes him laugh that's all good but he's not sitting there being like what the fuck Roseanne, why do you like Trump so much? <laughs> I'm so mad about this. Yeah, if you're going to be doing that, you better be talking about the real life Roseanne. But then even <laughs> then, there's bigger fish to fry. <laughs> and no, Yeah, not even like, it might be a great idea to write a think piece about how this is bad for society. I mean, there's probably enough of them at this point, but the first person to do that had a good point to make. But that that's different than the actual sitting at the screen, spending your anger on that. <laughs> well, especially if you're angry at the character, <laughs> like the character written by a staff of writers. Yeah, usually you'd be more angry at, again, the real world repercussions, which is a different thing, which would be using that tool in the toolbox in a good way. If you're just angry at the character and then you turn it off and that's fine. <laughs> like, oh, thank God she's gone. <laughs> I made her disappear. No longer any reason to be mad. So TV, complex and nuanced. Who'd have thunk? All right, so I'm going to do the machiney thing. There it's... Okay, got the question. What do you think it says about our society that a homeless man can get 15 years for stealing $100 where a mortgage CEO could go to prison for just 40 months for a $3 billion fraud. I'm anticipating people, uh, probably most of whom aren't listeners to our show, having this objection of like, well, these are cherry-picked examples. and But I feel like it's... Obviously, they're cherry-picked examples, but... How are you going to eat delicious cherries unless you pick them? <laughs> Seriously, we're machines. We don't know. We don't know how you eat cherries without picking them. But seriously, you okay, you live in a society where that is even with within the um, spectrum of what happens, even if there's like a million extenuating circumstances that this homeless man has stolen $100 a hundred times before and this CEO did this three billion in fraud partially by accident or there was unclear legal legalities involved and so just to be clear the examples underlying this question aren't anything like that it's it's one of the (laughs) (laughs) i know nothing about the headlines i'm saying even if like if, if we're talking about who merits prison what the proportional distribution of prison time according to merit would call for regardless of even those extreme extenuating circumstances situations that aren't real this is incredibly fucked up yeah it is and i think what it shows is that feels weird to speak in terms of uh like society as a whole but i think what it shows is that uh our legal system Um, And I think these examples are both from the United States, but it applies to other like similar first world jurisdictions. The legal system in the United States prioritizes 
the needs of the ultra rich above the needs of everyone else, but especially over the needs of vulnerable people. Yeah. Another thought that just came to me that this kind of shows to me is that the existence of our, the, the way our legal system is set up specifically with lawyers has a kind of real world feudalism effect of giving far more rights and privileges to an exclusive cast of people who can afford the very best lawyers, who can afford to charge the most amount of money possible. So it, it creates a system where the, the legal system is, is at the whims of these people most um, apt at uh, navigating it. And, and those people are going to exclusively offer their services to the richest people, meaning that they functionally have far more rights in a society that is ostensibly based on equal rights for everyone. That's a good microcosm of sort of the the leftist criticism of liberalism, which is the leftist critique of liberal, liberalism is the idea that liberalism puts this ostensible equality forward. And they say, well, everyone has equal right to a fair trial. Everyone has equal right to all these legal privileges under the law to defend themselves and so on. But in practice, unless you can afford to pay a guy who is an expert in your rights under the law, you effectively don't have those rights. The access to these paid experts on the ins and outs of the law, which we call lawyers, is limited. So even though it's ostensibly equal, everyone has ostensibly these same rights, the practice in reality there's also a two-tiered system because like technically i'm sure this homeless guy could get a public defender like he could get a lawyer but how much does a public defender who's overworked has so many cases care about this one homeless person hundred dollar theft case versus all the other cases they have uh, versus how much the best lawyer in the world the best teams of lawyers in the world who are being paid millions of dollars care about getting this ceo off on only 40 days in jail Mm -hmm. Uh, And he's got at least $3 billion to spend on this case. So I don't even know what the solution to that is. Like one one, like leveling idea is just everybody has to use public defenders and that's it. Uh, I can anticipate objections to that too. But I I do think it's it's an area of discussion worth opening up how to um, fix that problem because that leftist critique of liberalism that you're uh, talking about in this instance especially is right on the money and if we uh if liberals want to say that people have equal legal rights this is a question they have to deal Mm, with because they don't they functionally don't have equal legal rights right now yeah so if if you if you if you feel that you're a liberal or or, then that uh, you support the principle of equality how the question, I think, of how to bridge that gap is still open. Okay, big question machine. Aaron needs a question. All right, let's grab the question ball and says, uh, what do you think about the fact that the core of a nuclear reactor releases heat through something called a glory hole? I think that is really neat. I think it's uh, pretty hilarious because glory hole also has that other meaning. Yeah, the from the, the sexual. anonymous sexual <laughs> sexual anonymity device, the glory hole, not to be confused with the uh the heat releasing yeah. nuclear core 
thing. It's it's also a name that makes sense because like um it's glorious that the reactor isn't going to overheat and it is a hole that is making this glorious event happen. So I do I definitely see the the connection there. Like nuclear meltdown is not pretty, so the avoidance of that I I would always categorize as glorious. I, I, yeah, I couldn't I couldn't agree more. Um, that glory hole I would solicit. I would solicit regularly. Um, preventing <laughs> preventing nuclear meltdown. That's a glory hole. I would really. Um, that's a glory hole. I, I would use. That's a glory. <laughs> yeah, and it's a glory hole. I would legally require everyone to use. Oh yeah, government mandated glory holes. Yeah, if that's not the law already, uh, there needs to be a. <laughs> we need to pass <laughs> the Glory Hole there. Act of 2018. But let's not get ahead of ourselves. I'm assuming Glory Hole, mandatory Glory Holes are already in effect in all nuclear power plants. Like it, they must be. We need big, enormous, powerful Glory Holes to protect men, women, and children. Yeah, and ex- and exactly could because the other kind of glory hole, if they were big and enormous, it would kind of defeat the purpose. Yeah, you'd be able to see the guy. Yeah, which is totally not the point of the glory hole. Now yeah. I can tell if I want to suck his dick or not. Uh, I imagine people probably peek though, even like you peek through the hole and see their face first, even if you're not looking. <laughs> putting, your, <laughs> putting your eye right up to the glory hole it seems a little dangerous. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't actually know like that much about uh, the etiquette. Never been. Yeah, me me neither. I saw one once at a uh, Yeah, you a said you did and I I've never even seen one. So you you're more experienced with the with the glory holes than I am. How Still a bit of a noob, but uh <laughs> I was uh I was Were in... people using them at the party where they were? No. Um yeah, so it was like it was a couple of years ago. I was at a um a gay pride party in Vancouver um that I visited to refill my ally meter, which was running low. But yeah, so there was like an underground dungeon dance party, lots of sweaty shirtless men in cages. And it was a fun time, you know, it was, it was, it was, uh, something a little different. It was something a little Sean. different. And I was doing a little tour and I saw the, some little cubbies that had um, clear and well defined glory holes in them that could not have served any other purpose. Right, but no one was using them. Unfortunately not. I bet someone used it once throughout the night, but it probably just wasn't like a lineup of... <laughs> <laughs> lineup around the block. I mean, if there's a lineup around the block, at that point, just close your eyes and it's like a dick. Like, you don't... <laughs> the, the hole is... It's, I mean, it's a useful piece of technology for sure. The, the glory hole is a useful piece of technology. It's just... It's not that useful. It's not, it's not queuing useful. I just want to remark on how your uh, imagining of the queuing was that people were queuing up to suck the dicks more so than people were queuing up to have the dick sucked, which is uh, probably a very accurate representation. I imagined it two lines going different directions. (laughs) I think the line to suck would be longer than the line to get sucked. Yeah, based on like what I've seen in online advertisements for people who've set up their own glory holes... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> there are never people who've set up their own glory holes to come come suck my dick. It's always, I've set up a glory hole. I want as many men as possible to come here and put their dicks through the holes. Wow. That is incredible. You know, I'm, I'm going to pull the lever on the machine, but it's not because I want to stop talking about this. I'm just going to pull this lever. It's just time. <laughs> it's just time. <laughs> it's time now. <laughs> Pull the correct lever and ball is on the way out. 
Hmm, I love that the questions are on balls. Such an in- interesting shape for the yeah. It's kind of like to put the a bingo on. game or a Minority Report. Yes. Uh, so the next question says, can you dispel all the lies that the Western imperialist media has been telling about the proposed Chinese social credit system? Okay, well, um, thanks for the question, Machine. And um, the, I guess the first thing, I mean, just for context, the, the social credit score, it's been reported um, in in the, the newspapers and television and stuff is uh, this sort of uh, dystopian very black mirror esque and it is really black mirror esque it's the idea that the 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 chinese state is going to have scores on people that affect things like whether or not like how fast their internet speed is and whether or not they have access to government jobs based on the government's ranking of their trustworthy their trustworthiness their credibility their sincerity so until i started learning about this within the last hour I the only thing I knew about it was a meme that was like a drawing that looked like the black mirror with the badges and the score. Um, And yeah, definitely some reading on this has not alleviated all my worries about (laughs) those implications. Uh, It is it's it's really crazy. But but so I do have some questions, though, because I don't know a whole lot about it. The idea of a social rating it does it could make some sense to me especially if it was a less like this is what the government rates you and a more this is yeah no it's it's still pretty dystopian this is what people in general rate you i i feel like it's cr- it, it, collapsing things like that down into like a social rating it it has a very easy way to overreach. I mean, according to a Chinese state document, the purpose of this social credit system is that, quote, keeping trust is glorious and breaking trust is disgraceful. Oh, so they're saying this is like a glory hole to the future, a glorious. That's exactly what they're saying. In fact, that may be a more accurate translation. I'm not sure. Uh, but <laughs> I mean, and it's I mean, I'll hand it to him. It's true. Keeping trust is glorious. Breaking trust is disgraceful. I mean, those are truisms as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. And but I mean, it, like, it's got a dystopian feel to it when you're like, and that's why we're assigning a number to your, your worth. <laughs> your worth, your social worth. Yeah. I mean, when I read this, for example, it does. It seems to make some sense. Um, this social credit system is coordinated by the Central Leading Group for Comprehensively Deepening Reforms, which is an amazing title for a committee. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they've I've, been doing a really good job at deepening reforms so far, so don't sleep on them. <laughs> comprehensively deepening those reforms. But according to the overall planning outline for the construction of a social credit system, um, the system is meant to focus on four areas, which is number one, honesty in government affairs. So this social credit system isn't just meant to track citizens with a number and punish them. Uh, It's also meant to track, number one, honesty in government affairs. So I mean, in theory, that's a great thing. I'm going to talk about my ideal version of what I'm reading. My ideal version of an honesty in government affairs agency is a sort of radical sort of direct democracy rating system in which people have the ability to give instant feedback to their representatives in government about 
the job that they're doing. It's something like opinion polls, but much more formalized and with legal consequences of some kind. So a way for people to be constantly involved in government affairs and holding them accountable. That's what I would think an honesty in government affairs system would do. Number two, commercial integrity. Uh, So this is holding businesses accountable for, you know, sticking to regulations, providing safe and effective things. These are some things the Chinese government mentioned that this was for, uh, rating businesses who don't comply to safety standards lower, uh, and this would provide extra incentives for them to comply to safety standards and other preferable business practices like, you know, not employing overseas slaves or like anything else that you might think is bad would go against commercial integrity. So having a a social participatory uh, rating system where businesses can be held accountable uh, to the public good, I can see that being a great thing. Uh, societal integrity. This is the part where the personalized ratings pop in. And I do I do have a harder time imagining this one without dystopian qualities. Like societal integrity, it sounds nice. You want society being, but ha- like keeping watch on individual or like rating people. I don't know. Rating businesses doesn't scare me so much. Rating government actors in their role as a government actor doesn't scare me so much. But rating people... It's, it's heavy. Part four is judicial credibility. I also don't have a problem with rating judges uh, or like holding judges accountable to popular opinion. Yeah, I don't know. Rating individual citizens is what the Western media has focused on. And curiously, I also tend to want to focus on that because I have a hard time imagining that not being horrifying. So, yeah, I can, I can kind of, I'm trying to think uh, through the lens of like media criticism and say, okay, well, Western Western media has got a bias against this. So I'm trying to sort of like steel man it. And I think it is noticeable, like looking over articles about this, that the emphasis is always, you know, this is 1984. This is controlling your whole life. You know, this is a, this is a mandatory scheme. Those are some exact words from an article that I was just looking at. Right. A mandatory right. scheme. It's not something that uh, you, you would see like American papers talking about uh, like U.S. government military policy on like the mandatory scheme to retain all of your online browsing information or something yeah, like that. Right, right. No, um, yeah, totally. Also, the, the, these are the the types of stuff that we're talking about here. With this, are not things that the that Western governments have their hands clean from. Western governments and Western society definitely does you know punish certain people and praise other people based on sort of like hegemonically defined standards that don't necessarily match with reality. And like the danger of a system like this is is how like the like you saying like this is sounds good in theory, but it also sounds dystopian. Like it's the risk is that the government isn't trustworthy or someone in the line of the government isn't trustworthy where the regulations that are being put forward on people aren't just. Um, and we, I mean, we certainly have that situation in the West as well. We certainly have surveillance of citizens in the West. We certainly have blacklists of various kinds that keep people um, out of one field or another. And I think the most sort of pernicious, invisible, but important blacklist 
is what we were talking about before the financial blacklist of being underneath a certain income. Underneath the social credit system in China, the proposed social credit system or the partially implemented social credit system, if you have good social credit, you can get better rates on loans and you get you can get more matches on Chinese Tinder if you have a good, uh, that's a real thing from this article right, apparently, right, right. Um, stuff, stuff like that. Whereas in the United States or in Canada, you basically have the ability to get better rates on loans if you have better credit, you have more money, you've got a better relationship with the bank, you store a lot of money with them. You can get more matches on Tinder by paying 15 bucks a month or whatever their special Tinder yeah, right, right, <laughs> match right. machine is. Uh, like To defend the system in, in the spirit of the, the way the question was asked, if this system can pose a challenge to the bottom line, capitalist, everything is money, the rich get lots of benefits all the time and have a, live in a gold-plated massage universe. The poor have to fight each other for scraps. If it can challenge that, where being an honorable person who does right by others and, and doesn't do things like you know, drive really poorly and put people in danger or picking a fight with someone at a bar or whatever. Cause like under in, in the Western system, you can pretty much do whatever you want when you're a certain level of rich. And it's like a spectrum of like, mm. are yeah, you yeah, rich yeah. enough to be allowed to do that? Um, <laughs> well, I think you've done it. You did what I was having trouble doing, which was defending that third part of it, the societal integrity part. So there we go. We've got all four parts. Sound good now. So, but yeah, but I mean, it, if I was in charge, I would not implement the system. I'm unconvinced it's it's needed, and I think it's it sounds kind of bad. Yeah, I still have, I still like my honest feelings. Like, is that I have trouble with um, assigning people uh, an overall rank. Like, it's it just something. I I know money functions in that way. I know credit scores function in that way. But something about it being official, central, your rank. It I I don't know. It I can't. It's it's a non-starter for me. I actually think what the Chinese government should do is maybe scrap this plan, take the other three branches of this, the one that holds governments accountable, the one that holds uh, judiciary accountable, and the one that holds corporations accountable, and it should put those ideas out there to Chinese programmers to create these systems collaboratively, and that the Chinese government is making a pledge to be responsive to the people's ratings and confidences as expressed through these decentralized ratings networks that flow from the bottom up rather than flowing down to the individuals at the bottom. I think this kind of confidence systems uh, are much more effective when applied from less power to higher power than they are being applied from higher power to lower power, from government to individual citizen. Well, let's grab another ball. Here, I'll just pull the lever here. It's doing its thing and ball me. Nice choice of lever, by the way. Thank you. I, I always I make sure to hit the right one. The manual is very clear. If we hit the incorrect one, there's dire consequences. I'm not sure exactly what that means. What's the ball say? Don't keep me hanging. What do you think about the fact that San Francisco houses are making more money per hour than you do at work in pure property speculation. So yeah, according to this SF Gate article, um, it, home values in San Francisco are appreciating at a rate of $60.30 for every working hour, according to a new report from real estate site Zillow. 60 bucks an hour. Fuck, I wish I was making 60 bucks an hour. Yeah, just anything. for lazing around too, never, like a big lazy house. <laughs> like a big lazy house. <laughs> uh, Everyone works but the 
lazy house. And actually, it's it's interesting if you, um, you know, that's for every working hour. So that's the yeah, appreciation I, per week divided into 40 hours. I, th- I thought it was pretty funny that their, um, <laughs> the, the way they made this point involved imagining that houses work 40 hours a week and then rest like everyone else for the other 128 hours a week. Uh, houses are work working warriors. That's 24-7, sometimes for hundreds of years. Yeah, yeah, like... <laughs> sometimes parts of them break but even then most of them is still working even when part so technically i would have to correct the authors of this uh bit of shocking data uh houses work 24 hours a day and they make about 14.28 per hour which is actually still higher than the minimum wage in san francisco yeah higher than the minimum wage most places yeah that's a lot if you buy a house you get a free minimum wage worker working at 20 uh, <laughs> a free minimum wage worker working 24 hours a day that you get all the money from. They do the work and you get all the money from it. The house does the work. These houses are overworked, man. Yeah, you gotta, we, 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 we need, I think houses are people and we well, need to treat them like people. corporations are people, then houses <laughs> are definitely people. Like I think if a house is earning enough money in speculative value every year, it should be raised from like property status to person status. If if you're making sixty dollars an hour just sitting there, I think you're a human being. At I that agree point. with that. Yeah, and you're a house, you're a human being, and you have a right to have someone living inside of you. So that would have big impacts on whether or not we have empty homes out there. I mean, it would be the house's choice, obviously, but uh, houses are constitutionally uh, apt to wanting people inside them. So that mm-hmm. w- it would mean a lot more. F- People getting homes, which uh, I would agree with. People getting homes that are also people. But so I mean, let's not overwork them anymore. You know, this twenty-four hours a day stuff. I think it's a little too much. Eight hours. It's a nice, you know. Yeah, houses work for eight hours a day. Eight hours for rest, and eight hours for what they will. I, I support that. Hey, actually, what if now this is just a crazy idea? What if houses, instead of growing in speculative value? reduce the amount of hours they were available um, over time. So instead of earning money <laughs> through, this is just sort of a crazy thought experiment, but what if instead of instead of houses in San Francisco earning $60 an hour and earning more and more money to their, their asset value, mm-hmm. instead over time it would be, a, the house would only be available to live and sleep in for say at first, 24 down to 23 hours a day and then down 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 until eventually the house could just retire be be alone enjoy itself its retirement 24 hours for what you will i think i wasn't being radical enough with my 888 solution i was old thinking i'm on board with you i'm on board with the new thinking uh liberate the houses uh that's uh I think the final call for this podcast, we're calling you all to the charge of liberating the houses. Yeah, and, so it's uh, important that that's acted out. Otherwise, it's going to affect your seriously wrong social credit score. Um, and of course, that determines things like how many matches you get on seriously wrong dating. That affects things like uh, when you take out a loan from us, what interest rate we charge you. Frankly, it's, it's a score you want to keep high. And, uh, of course, the best way to increase your seriously wrong social credit score is to uh, donate to us. 
Yeah, become a, a patron of someone uh, that, that the magicians, that the true magicians behind the show are the, those who financially allow it to happen by opening up their donating box and doing Get, getting the ultimate benefit of donating which is the ability to punish us as you know if you are donating you can really send a message to someone by taking that donation away but the only way to get there in the first place is by donating six dollars a month consistently for a while what you need to do is start donating now and then later, when something that's worth it, that's really worth it, comes along, you snag that away. Yank uh, it. Yank that away. And you send an email saying, this is why I did it. Putting so much power into your hands for the low, low price of $6 a month. And another great benefit of becoming a recurring patron is that I'm a machine. I'm processing data. I'm a machine. This is a machine's show. So many shows today don't process data and aren't made by machines. We throw that out. Non-machine-made podcast? I'm a machine. I'm going to toss that in the garbage and make a podcast as a machine. Oh, hey, human friend, what podcast are you listening to? Oh, is it good? Is it made by machines? It's not made by machines, but... Oh, it's bad. That makes sense. Then. Oh, it's not it's made bad. by a machine. Oh, you're listening to it because you're, you're trying to test your resilience. Admirable. Admirable. Well, make sure to listen to some machine-produced podcasts after you're done to help cleanse the palate. Data function error in Core 7. I'm a machine. One, two, three. I'm a machine. One, two, three. We are machines. Ooh, I'll just pour myself one more margarita. I'm feeling a little devilish. A little devilish. Another margarita, another margarita. Oh, man, this has been a great day. I'm so glad we bought that podcasting machine. Yeah, it has been awesome just like relaxing, you know, sitting here under the stars, having margaritas, just and dishing. Like, we had so much to talk about, so much hot goss. Yeah, I can't believe some of the interesting, hilarious things we said. It's like, I think this has been one of the best conversations we've ever had. It's a bit of a shame that we didn't record it. I mean, I think you're right. Like, I do think you're right. Like, it's, it's, it was an incredible conversation. It, it had so many highs and lows. Um, it, it was interesting, information dense, but really funny. But the part that I disagree is I think, I'm not sure that this ever could be a podcast because it was so based on just that like real sincere connection without an audience and and we yeah were, just you and me dishing by the fire it wasn't there was no microphones in front of our face it was a completely different thing we let the machines take care of the podcast this week oh yeah we should probably check on the machine right it's, yeah i think it's probably done yeah let's check it out all right let me just uh open up the uh the uh, open up the capsule door here and you can hear in it uh, how the podcast is going. We are machines. One. We are machines. Three, four, five. Machine. I'm a machine. Produce podcast. Two, what the fuck one. is that? The, the it's just on a I'm repeating a loop there, talking about numbers and one. saying, I am a machine. Four, five. Machine. I'm a machine. This is a machine. Oh my Produce God. One. What? Okay, well, as you know, I have a type of colorblindness. You didn't. 
Sean, is that you yellow? One job. That one is yellow. Sorry. You pulled the wrong knob? You pulled the knob with dire consequences? A light green. It's very similar to a yellow. Um, you I said you memorized of... which side was it was on. No, that was in a that was in the podcast. I didn't say that out here. Whatever. Now it's a subpar episode. Dire consequences have happened. Subpar episode. Subpar what are we going to do about well, it? Well, it happens. Some of them have got to be subpar. That shows pars and average, and some are going to be sub, and some are going to be. That's just kind of the way it goes sometimes. Sorry, everyone. Sorry. Have a good week. Next time on Seriously Wrong. A century ago, scarcity had to be endured. Today, it has to be enforced. We of this century have finally opened the prospects of material abundance for all to enjoy. <laughs> a sufficiency. A Ooh, su- the material abundance is unlocked. <laughs> yes. Sorry, Murray. Keep, keep, uh, keep going. Yes. Okay, thank Can't you. To hear. A sufficiency in the means of life without the need for grinding day-to-day toil. Ooh, a colorful we have language. discovered resources both for men and industry that were totally <laughs> unknown a generation ago. Um, can you, can you, uh, Oh, I'm just enjoying what you have to say, brother. Don't, uh, hierarchy, sexism and renunciation do not disappear with quote, democratic centralism, a quote, Ooh. revolutionary leadership, a quote, worker state Ooh. and a quote, planned economy on the contrary. That's what they all say. <laughs> what do you mean? That's what they all say. That's what they all that's say. What, and then what they is come that? in. Who's they? Really brainwashed, eh? You're no, you're not. Okay. <laughs> Can't even hear a dissenting opinion. <laughs> oh, what an ideological, brainwashed fool you are, brother! I think everyone should be harshly criticized all the time. It's like almost <laughs> Ooh, a fault the, well, of mine. The, then say thank you to me. <laughs> ideas grow in mature best. Still in waiting fact, for my thank not you. Not in the silence and controlled humidity of an ideological nursery, but in the tumult of dispute and mutual Ooh, criticism. I like it. I like it, brother. Let's get criticizing. <laughs> Uh, did Karl Marx tell you to write that down? I fucking hate you. <laughs> Don't like the tumult of mutual criticism, brother? You just, okay, fuck <laughs> Can't off. Can't live up to your own ideals? <laughs>